What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we're here to bring you our opinions on the news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. It has been a while. It's been so long. I almost forgot that intro, and I did forget to check the uh, episode number, which is fine because I'm usually wrong anyways. So, I mean, it is what it is, in the words of a, a great football coach. Uh, speaking of football season, right around the corner. I had my first of my uh, impromptu draft last night. Uh, wasn't really planning on it, but throughout the day, we all got together and realized uh, it was the only day we'd all have between right. now and the time the season started. Uh, the, so, drafted, got the first overall pick, went Justin Jefferson. Uh, I couldn't go see him, see him in injury history. I yep. mean, he's, he's amazing, but at some point, the injuries and him getting older – Although while he's still not out of his prime, it just concerned me too much. And JJ's too much of a weapon. I don't care who they have in Minnesota. He's going to get 15 looks a game and uh, probably reel in a good portion of those. So I went with him. Uh, got Josh Allen as my QB. Okay. Ended up with DK Metcalf also. Um, tight end was the only spot. We, have, we do have a tight end slot in that league. It's not just a flex. And uh, I did not get any of the premier tight ends early so i decided just to wait till the end anyways if i don't have to put that kind of i i drafted mike Kosicki in like round 14 hoping i think he can be good in that offense if that offense is good he'll be a part of it um in new england but uh we have our draft the league we're in together that's right this coming sunday at, at 3 p.m uh that should be good as always. Uh it's an eight person league, but it's super fun. Uh we all know each other and so it's 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 great. No matter who you're playing, there's someone to talk crap to. Um how about you? You got you're in another league this year too. How'd your draft I go? Did. My draft went very well. Nice. I had the eighth eighth pick in the a twelve team. And I went I went running back, Nick Chubb. Uh I was able to get three solid running backs, which is what I wanted. Chubb, Stevenson and Madison, so I was okay. really happy with that. I picked up Trevor Lawrence, really happy with that. I I, I want to point out something, and 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 if you're out there, this is the uniqueness of fantasy football. You just said you picked Kasiki in what round? Uh, I want to say it was. I can actually tell you exactly. Hold on one sec. I can click on and find out. Nope. Click on it again. I drafted Kasiki. Uh, twelfth uh, round, hundred forty fourth overall. Okay, uh, that's interesting because in now we we have an eighteen eight person league. Mm-hmm. So, if you're not familiar, eight person league tends to have a lot of talent float to the top. And yours was what a an eight ten twelve yep twelve twelve. Same format. We had a gentleman, I will not name him, but he is a Patriots fan. He took Mike Kosicki in the sixth or seventh round and was just mercilessly brutalized for that. I even looked at him like, you took Mike Kosicki that high? That's something, man, because there's probably still – I mean, do you, have a, do you have a dedicated tight end slot? Yes. Okay, well, that's good at least. Um, but Yeah, man, we that's, also, that's early. Oof. And he's not – He's like 50-50 for the season opener right now because uh, the injury he had a couple weeks ago in practice against uh, Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So, but that just tells you the uniqueness of each draft can be different. Um, 
you took Justin Jefferson. Um, my boy took CMC. Yep. First overall well, pick. Also, also a, a Niners fan, so that adds to it, you know. Uh, yes, he's also a Niners fan, so still not a bad pick, but no, you know, no, no, no. That definitely adds to persuading if you're trying to decide between one or the other. Right, and I, just just a couple more minutes. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to ask you because I kind of I see this. We've been seeing this trend kind of happening. Do we feel like the trend of wide receivers dominating the first round, uh, especially in larger leagues, is that starting to happen? Because I kind of noticed it a little bit in my draft, but we did have a very, a, a quite a lot amount of running backs taken, you know, first two rounds. I know why I went running back dominant. I had, um, I went, I think I went Chubb, uh, St. Brown, then Stevenson, and then um, somewhere in there, I got, I think I went Lawrence Madison. So I just wondering, are we going to continue to see that trend? Uh, it's so hard to tell, man. It, it, it's, it's, I personally think so because the teams seem to be going to a place of, hey, we have, yeah, we might have a guy who's our main guy, but we have two or three other guys. And guess what? If they're doing better when we put them in than the main guy was when he had his first, you know, six, eight carries, we're going to hang with them for a quarter, quarter and a half and kind of see what happens there. We're going to put them on the goal line and see if they can get in the end zone. Uh, the, the, obviously, the real teams are more concerned with winning than fantasy stats. Right. Uh, but I, I think you will. And I think as long as the running back position continues to be criminally disrespected by the league, um, I understand they have a shorter careers. I understand this, but they're still they're getting abused every single play. Even right. even when they're blocking and they're not running, they're getting abused. And you know, got wide receivers making thirty five million a year and a running back struggling to make a half of that. Um, I don't believe the running backs are being pissed, and uh, it's very puzzling to me. But I think so. I know personally, despite what I just said, I have to go with what I see as as you know the trends. Uh, I know Justin Jefferson, if healthy, is going to get 12 to 15 targets a game. Right. There's just no way he doesn't. I, I I can't tell you if Derrick Henry, number one, age is finally going to start, age and injury history going to start creeping in a little bit. He had a couple extra years over the norm because he wasn't uh, overused in college. Correct. Um, and his first couple of years in the league, injuries are mounting up. I'm not saying he's washed up. I'm not saying he's done. But the days of handed to Derrick Henry 25, 30 times, he's going to get you a buck 60 and two touchdowns, 12 out of 17 games. Those days are done. You need to balance that attack more. Uh, and I, somebody took Derrick Henry, I think it was like fifth overall. And I was like, I, I understand it. Because let's mm -hmm. face it, there's people like you and I who obsessively look at these things and go, oh, I wouldn't take the guy here or there, whatever. And then somebody does, and then they end up winning a championship. And it's like, okay, yeah, is there, I don't mean this in an ugly way, is there overall knowledge level of what they're doing as high as you or I or other people out there who who watch it, play it, and essentially live it during the season? Uh, maybe not. But they know the name, and they know the guy can run. And they know they like them, and they know they want them on their team. Sometimes that's enough. Um, what you see, I think, is those players who have that mindset going, "Oh my God, I have the fifth pick. Derrick Henry's still here. I'm taking Derrick Henry." When 
Devontae Adams. Don't be scared about Devontae Adams having Jimmy Garoppolo either, because no. he's still going to get ridiculous number of looks, and he's still going to make it happen because he's Devontae Adams. Uh, the only thing that's going to stop him is if he gets pissed at a cameraman again. Um, which I like Devontae, but that was still an a-hole move. Um, but like, look, like Isaiah Pacheco, right? Where do you think he would have gone? If I mean, knowing that Kansas City offense and knowing Patrick Mahomes essentially has to be carted off the field to not play, <laughs> and the impact he has, and that obviously positively affects all the players around him. Where do you think if running backs are properly respected, a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, knowing, maybe they're not saying it, but knowing he's going to be the primary back on an elite-level offense, where do you think he would have gone? He would have. I'd say pretty close first round, but he's an easy second-round pick. Dude, in a 12-team league, I got him 73rd overall in the seventh round. Uh, He went... 57th overall in mine. Yeah. So, I mean, probably roughly around the same pick if you're you're comparing the two. Um, but, I mean, this is a kid. He's he's He may rush for 50, 60 yards a game, but he's also huge in a receiving game. And we know Mahomes loves to check down when he's not throwing to Kelsey or throwing deep. Well, I just think – I think what's going to happen is you're, you're going to see what he's like this year, and that's going to – Increases draft status. That's why I went. I, I took I took um, Ramondre thirty second overall in the third round, mm-hmm. and I was as soon as I made my pick in the second round with um, St. Brown. I'm like, is he going to make it to me in the third round? Because I don't know. And it started. Running back started to come off, and you know players came off. They're nice, uh, but you know I had Joe Mixon go off the board, and Najee Harris went off the board. And I'm like, uh. But he he landed where I want him. I don't want Ramondre. I like Ramondre. I know Zeke's going to steal some carries, probably some goal line carries, but I still think Ramondre is the guy, and he's an asset out of the backfield in receiving game more so than Zeke. And that's where. Oh yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. But he has a history. He he did that a little bit in his rookie season, and then last year he really did it. He just needs a guy to give him a, a blow every now and then to just give him some carries off mm-hmm. and he'll, I think his production level will go up when you look at Isaiah, he had a great second half of the season and he kind of jumped fly over to Lair. I think you're going to see this year. If he proves that point this year, mm-hmm. now you're talking about, all right, does Nick Chubb drop off as number one or CMC one of these guys is going to drop off, and Isaiah is going to jump up, and he's going to be a a lock number first round pick. Because if you're a guy that catches the ball out of the backfield and can run between the tackles decently, you're gonna get, you're gonna be highly valued, and especially when you're looking at whether it's a half PPR or a full PPR, the value just dramatically goes up at that point. And I, and I, I like what he brings to the table. One more season, that could be it. But then, mm-hmm. as we've seen in history, it's two, three, maybe four seasons where you're that dominant, top tier running back, and then you drop off. Which is probably what's going to happen this year, where CMC. This could be CMC. I have CMC in the first round. 
Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, and Saquon Barkley. At least two or three of those guys are going to drop out of the first round next year. Guaranteed. I would think just so, because, too. Yeah. Just because just the way of the business. Austin has a, a slight frame. Who knows what's going to happen in, in L.A.? Derrick Henry, you've already pointed out his his potential issues. Saquon. And, and the crazy thing about it is, if you look at the New York Giants, if they don't have Saquon, they're toast. As a as a playoff team, they are toast. Ironically yeah. enough, the guy they wouldn't sign and pay the money to is the very key to them making it where they want to be. But they feel like they can get their value somewhere else. Okay, go out and get that value somewhere else and let somebody else sign him on a free agent contract. Because I guarantee he probably got, would have got his money in free agency um, with his age and his production level. I think he would have gotten his money from someone else. Miami, um, but it, Miami is kind of the, the number one on the list of a lot of running backs this offseason. And I think they probably would have gave him the money. But um, I think we can shift on to um, the real aspect of the league. Um, and good luck to anybody who has their draft coming up. Good luck to Sunday, Chris. Uh, we will be having a good old time uh, having our draft and uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens in our, our little league. And I think this year we can definitely move on to the real thing. Uh, I think this year we can incorporate a little bit more fantasy into the podcast that we have in the past. Uh, I think obviously people enjoy it and it's something we're both pretty knowledgeable about. And I think we can give some solid insight uh, into, you know, what to do when waivers and considering the show comes out on Wednesday, uh, most yeah. waivers don't clear until, you know, so, well, some are, I think it's Thursday morning, most clear. I think so. Wednesday or Thursday. Um, so maybe, maybe that was a pointless comment if it's Wednesday morning. Uh, but even still, they'll be open. You can look at the, you can then kind of reshape your team for the upcoming week. So we'll we'll be adding a little bit more of that element to it as well. Uh, well, speaking of shaping up, you did one transition. I got to do another. Uh, teams cut down to their fifty-three man roster it was yesterday, the day before. Yeah, uh, obviously, these aren't necessarily final rosters. Teams are going to pick guys up, put them on the pup list, put them on the injured reserve. You know, play some of they need to, and then hopefully the guys, such as the situation we're about to talk about. Uh, are still available to put on the practice squad after they clear waivers, and they can be re-signed once there's open spots on the roster. One such example of that <laughs> is, you know, obviously we're Patriots fans, so we're closer to home with this with, with the Patriots than other teams. There is a big debate. Is Mac the guy? Is Mac not the guy? Look, we don't know. I think he's way better than he played last year. He just needs structure. He's not a guy. He's not a guy who's just going to make – he's not Mahomes. He's not just going to make things happen. He needs a solid team around him, which is not a knock on him. That's fine. A lot of players do. There's very few guys that can do it themselves. Um, actually, nobody can do it themselves, but very few can do it with very little help. Uh, so is it going to be Bailey Zappi, Malik Cunningham? Who's the other kid even brought in? Uh, well, not kid. Trace um, McSorley. <laughs> and everybody and her grandmother had a prediction as to which of the four was going to be the starter. Like, honestly, like Cunningham looked like a really good athlete. It was between Zappy and Mac. Let's be real. If there was even a competition, which I don't even think there was ever. I think Bill O'Brien came in knowing this is the 15th overall pick from two years ago. They're bringing me in to make it work. They're bringing me in to not 
add this kid to the, to the long, unfortunately, recent long list of draft picks, early round draft picks that have not really panned out. They've been fine finding people late in the draft. They're great at that. But hitting those studs in the first couple rounds has been a real struggle the last few years for the Patriots, maybe even more than a few years. Um, And, you know, Zappi cleared waivers on the practice squad now. I'm sure once a couple of people get to go to the injured list and there's spots on the 53-man roster, the actual 53-man opening day roster will include Bailey Zappi. You mentioned it. They, uh, they said they want to bring in a veteran also, which makes a lot of sense. You want to have another quarterback in there who may not even play, but has the experience, uh, a clipboard holder, which is not a knock. That's a very valuable resource. That's what Brian Hoyer was for years. God knows he was no good on the field, but right. he was a great asset. Even when Tom Brady was on the team, as somebody who can see things, before they happen, know what they're can't perform it on the field, but on the sideline can really help you and see what's a sounding, going on. A sounding board, Chris. A sounding board, exactly, hundred percent sounding board. Uh, so I, I don't think the Patriots cutting either of those two guys is even. I mean, it's no, it's it's noteworthy. Everything's noteworthy with social media and everything these days, but I don't think it's news. I think it's just what teams do. Like, they know Mac's the guy. They're yeah. obviously not going to cut Mac. No. Or they know they hope Mac's the guy. And the other two, well, they can pick up a veteran somewhere and they can go after what's, you know, what's left. They'll probably re-sign Zappi and they'll bring in somebody else. To, you know, like you said, a clipboard holder, sounding board, a veteran. And that'll be that. Uh, I think this is the case simply because... They cut a lot of running backs, too. They only kept Ramondre and Zeke on the 53-man roster because they know those are going to be the two guys. Everybody else, it's kind of like, hey, if you're available still afterwards, if you clear waivers, we might be able to bring you back. Otherwise, okay. Uh, apparently, they went in with a lot of offensive linemen because they're still apparently trying to figure out that mess. Uh, 11. That. 11, yeah, which is... 11. The way they're dropping, they may need twice that amount on, on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, and they kept six receivers, which I think is a good number, and I like because you never know. Injuries happen all the time. I think six is solid. I think the six they have, while there's nobody on that that jumps out as like elite top tier, there's no Justin Jefferson in that group. There's no Devontae Adams in that group, but there's really, really solid players who, if Bill O'Brien can get the most out of Mac Jones, can really help this team along with a solid defense. So I actually feel way better than a lot more Patriots fans feel going into the season because um, as Patriots fans, we don't define our happiness with our team by how much they win. We define it by how much we're able to complain. And uh, that is unfortunate, but that is the nature of all the success and the monster it has created, especially in the media over the past 20, 25 years of the Belichick era. But um what do you think? You think um you think it's just more to it than and just releasing and hoping they're available, or you think it's simply just Belichick gamesmanship? So so there's a lot of pieces um and and I'm not t- this is not all my I thought although I, I watched more preseason than I'm willing to admit um for the Patriots, but after the first game that I missed and I heard about and saw what. Willie Cunningham did. I kind of wanted to see see it live, and unfortunately, um, after on for game two, um, after the uh, injury to uh, Isaiah Bolden, the game ended, and then uh, the third game, uh, Malik got in for 
three plays at quarterback. Um, he played a lot of wide receiver. So I didn't get to see what I wanted to see, but it was a happy result because then I got to see Bailey Zappi. And I can tell you, although the offensive line is a, a huge concern, he looked god off. And everywhere I hear from it, it makes it makes a whole whole lot of sense. Why Mac is excelling this year, whether we're talking about uh the the not the split squads, the um joint practices, mm-hmm. we're talking about regular practices, in game, whatever we're talking about, he's excelling because Bill O'Brien has an offense that he's pulling one from what he's used to what he did in New England before, what he did in Houston, and also what he did in Alabama. And that's a key factor because Bill O'Brien was coming in as Mac Jones was being drafted by the Patriots. So there was there wasn't a cross of, you know, them working together. It was more like them, hey, how's the offense work here? Mac Jones, hey, this is how I ran it at a high high level a potential Heisman Trophy award-winning level at Alabama where they won, I believe, one cha- I believe they won a national championship with him at the helm. Um, oh, Mac? Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's part of it is that he's excelling because the offense, he's he's already knows it kind of. So he he's not learning some new stuff. He's learning – he's relearning stuff. Whereas Bailey Zappi, and this is not me speaking, this is me uh, me listening to, um, it was uh, Phil Perry who writes for um, NBC Boston uh, Sports and then um, who was on radio today. Uh, God, what was his name? He's a national guy. He's on NFL, NFL Network. I can't, I'll think of the name. I don't want to give him credit because it's a very smart guy. He's dialed in. Albert Breer. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, if you know yeah. him. Yep. All right. Oh yeah. This, so this is kind of like my thoughts, and then what I heard from them is Bailey Zappi is not familiar with this offense at all. This is not what he ran in, in in college. It wasn't what they ran last year because that was, as you and I know, was a joke of an offense. Oh, God. So brutal. You know, they made it very simple, very easy for a quarterback to run, which is strange because Mac Jones struggled but that i think that was more of a communication issue whereas zappy was just slinging it mm-hmm. so now he's in more of a structured offense where there's motion that and you kind of have to orchestrate the offense a little bit it's not his strong point and there's actual assigned and roles it, you know where you're going to for things yeah so it's kind of like he just he's trying to absorb everything and it's not working well for him so he looked bad he looked really bad chris some of the passes were awful and sometimes the receiver wasn't in place especially when he's throwing Millie cunningham who is not a wide receiver is playing wide receiver for the first time and it didn't look good for either end where whether it was billy bailey zappy throwing the ball or malik trying to catch the ball it didn't look good be that as it may i think it was a lot of they were comfortable releasing Bailey because either A, they knew he was going to pass through waivers or B, they could get something else because he's limited. And for Malik, I think they just, 
maybe they didn't showcase him too much because they wanted to stash him on the practice squad for a year. Because you got to think, Chris, we've got a lot of running quarterbacks in the league, or at least dual threat, mobile. You'd be a perfect asset to have on the practice squad uh, when you're facing, you know, week one, Jalen Hurts. If we're, I think we're facing uh, Lamar this year, uh, Mahomes, Josh Allen twice a year, even Tua to a degree. Trevor Lawrence is mobile. Like, there's a lot of guys. So having a good practice squad quarterback in that sense would be beneficial. And I like to see what he does. I like to see what his future is. I like to see if he can grow, whether it's at wide receiver or quarterback. I don't know, but I think they have. I think and this is just my opinion. I think they. It looks like more higher hope on Malik Cunningham being a contributor to the team, either some point this year or in future years. Whereas Bailey Zappi, it's kind of limited. Just, just my opinion. He's kind of limited as what he is as a quarterback, and he can rip it when he's confident. But there wasn't a lot of confidence in this preseason, and that's partly because of that offense line, as we detailed, eleven offensive linemen is a problem. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I mean. It's good to carry enough and have backups, but it's like you don't, you don't, it's not like you have 11 and you have five, you know, are the starters. I mean, you might have a few, you know, but right now it's like, it's going to, it needs to come together in jail for this team to have any real chance. Um, they don't have to be elite, like top five, but they do have to be able to run the ball and give Mac some time to throw. And uh, having an actual structured offense and Mac being better is going to help that also. It's going to help the line so they can help each other by just Bill Belichick line doing their jobs. All right. We don't want to be homers and only talk so about I'll, the Patriots. I'll give you a little insight, Chris. Um, we got more? Yeah. Well, I was just going to let you know because it kind of made sense. Yep. Is that yesterday, Connor McDermott was uh, put on IR before the rosters were finalized. So he's on IR for the season. Uh, if you didn't know, um, I'm sure you know, Chris, but if you don't know out there, um, if you're placed on IR before the rosters are set, you're on the you're on the IR for the season. Yeah, there's no coming off of it. Yep. Like Isaiah Boland was put on IR uh, before the season uh, rosters were set, so he's not coming back. But if you want to have someone put on IR for them to return, they have to be on that initial 53 man roster, which is why I'm telling you this: Riley Reef and Ty- Tyquan Thornton are possible candidates be put on IR. Riley Reef is a right left tackle and obviously Tycon Thornton is a wide receiver. 11 wide 11 offensive linemen, six wide receivers. It almost made sense that some of them were going to be put on short term IR oh yeah when the, when when the time could pass that they could do that. So, um, it just made sense. It told me, that's what it told me when I saw, uh, Malik and Bailey, uh, get cut that they probably need to put some people in IR, but they don't want to a lose them for the season and B or B exposing the waivers. So that's, that's kind of my two cents on everything. And we'll just see, uh, we'll see how everything plays out. Yeah. It tells us that, <clears throat> excuse me. 
tells us Mac is clearly the guy in their eyes too. Yep. Because you don't you don't you don't put somebody out there on waivers they can be claimed. If 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 Belichick and the rest of the league was as high end zappy as some of the zappy I guess I'll call it zappy truthers are out there, <laughs> um, then he would not have been put even put in a position. If they thought it was going to be a competition at all at any point, if they thought he would add something to this team, say Matt gets hurt, you know, <clears throat> things happen, and he's he has to come in and and you know QB again for two, three, four weeks. Yep. They're what that told me is they're saying okay, even if that's the case, this isn't the guy who's going to come in and like take over and like be the next guy. This is the guy who we're just going to throw in there because we have him. So yeah, right. maybe we want him back. Maybe we don't. But Mac is our guy. He's the only one we're not going to put in that position. We know he's on the team. Everyone else, we'll figure out. So, right. Speaking of figuring out, uh, the Cardinals have to figure out a very confusing oh quarterback situation. Uh, they have Kyler Murray, obviously, tore his ACL late last year. Uh, it would have taken a small miracle for him to be ready to come back opening day or week one. Mm-hmm. Opening mm-hmm. is a baseball term. But, uh, more than likely, I don't know if it's considered definite yet because teams usually don't say definite until it's the last minute, but he's not playing week one. He might not play the first four, five, six weeks. Who knows when he'll come back? So what do you do if you're the Cardinals? Do you say we're in, we're in a division where if the Rams get Stafford and cut back, they still have a decent defense. They can be competitive. The Seahawks were a real surprise last year. I don't think they're going anywhere. They're still going to be competitive. They they look like a real solid team. Uh, maybe the best uh, overall receiving core, aside from the Bengals in the league. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, obviously the Niners are the Niners, and they're going to have a fantastic defense. And, you know, Brock Purdy looked like he could run that offense like a well-oiled machine last year before he hurt his shoulder in the NFC Championship game. So, I don't think the Niners go anywhere. I think the Niners have to be the odds-on favorite to win the division right now, uh, depending on how Purdy comes in year two. Where's only the Cardinals? Like, if they if their defense is certainly nothing to to, to write home about, all those players that they had that they were paying that they they had that was carrying that team when offense struggled, those guys are gone. Those guys are gone. DeAndre Hopkins is gone. Like you have Kyler Murray and a couple of mid tier running it. backs and then some hopeful receivers. Like Hollywood Brown is not gonna turn into what we all thought he was coming out of college. Uh Rondale Moore looks really good. He's not like a number one though. I no. mean this team does not really have a clear direction right now. And if Kyler misses the first six, seven games and they go one and six, one and seven, do you bother even bringing Kyler back this year? No. Do you just let him rehab an entire year and bring him back next year? I mean, it, 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 you're clearly in that division. If, in that division, AS, NFC West, you go down four or five games. You're not coming back. You're Most divisions are not, especially that one where the play is very consistent. Um, <laughs> It's... Cardinals, man. I said this a couple years ago when they were when they looked to like all the world like they were going to be the class of the league, right? And, and yeah. Kyler looked like he was going to come in and, and and just tear it up. And it was the second or third year, and they had Hopkins, and they had you know good running game, and they had a stellar defense, and they draft Isaiah Simmons. I'm like, 
This team is an example of how a couple well-placed trades and drafting well can turn you from the joke they were for a few years between, you know, Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner, the time in between when those two guys were there and when they got Kyler, to a dominant team. And now they are also a blueprint of how to absolutely waste that and just have nothing to show for it. Uh, see Buffalo Bills. Um, which, obviously, they're good now, but we all know... <laughs> They're, we'll talk about them later, but they could be in the same situation if they don't get things going. A high-priced quarterback and nothing to really show for it. What do you do if you're Arizona? Where do you go next? Like, you, I assume with all these contracts being gone, you have quite a bit of dead cap the next couple of years. You're paying Kyler an astronomical amount of money. You don't really have, like, a... a, a an atmosphere there that really breeds, Hey, I want to go there and win. It's exciting. It's fun. You know, there's a history there. It's not a Pittsburgh or a Dallas or a San Francisco, or maybe, you know, there's some kids coming up the past 20, 25 years, New England, a place where there's a history, where there's a, a, a stigma, good or bad to it that you want to be part of or don't want to be part of. It's Arizona. And they've had brief pockets of success and then a lot of mediocrity and everything they built, over the couple years previous, has been torn down, and they have no direction. And they don't have, they're not, they don't have a dead cap issue, too. No. Oh, okay. I figured they would. No, they have seventy-four million next year. They have, they have cap space right now. So, here's what I think it is, Chris, because it, it, it's telling, because they drafted Xavier Collins twenty twenty. In 2021, first round pick 16th overall. He was a rush linebacker, but he was like, ver he was similarly versatile to Isaiah Simmons, where Isaiah Simmons was versatile, where he could play linebacker, safety, corner. Xavier was more like you could play linebacker, rush, and kind of that situation. Okay. They got him, they got him at end right now. It looks like they're playing a, a base 43. Maybe they're playing two edge rushers that are strictly pass rushing ends. And maybe the, it, it's a confusing team because they have this, they have some talent left, but it's not much. Buda Baker, there was rumors that he was going to get traded and he's still on the team. The defense is in shambles, but that's nothing compared to the offense who is absolutely just gutted, absolutely gutted to the point where they released Colt McCoy. Now he apparently has an uh, elbow injury. So there was debates on whether he'd be healthy to start the season, but he would have been the starting quarterback, but now they have a decision between Josh Dobbs, who was drafted in 2017 as a fourth round pick. Or, ready for this, Clayton Toon. Did, did, did you hear me, Chris? Crickets? I heard you. I was okay. trying to figure out who okay. the hell that was. Yeah. Uh, he is the 2023 fifth-round pick out of the University of Houston. Okay. So those those are their, their two quarterback options, unless they find somebody else that's available, but they're not going to get anyone better than those two. And by the time Kyler's ready, when that is, who knows? They're going to be probably winless still. They're going to be worst team in the NFL. They're going to be. Hollywood Brown, 
is a number two, maybe more like a number three. And Rondell Moore, unfortunately, he's not going to develop because he's just he's he's going to have nobody throwing to him. So it is a god awful offense. It's a fledgling defense that's just going to get exposed because they're going to be on the field too much. Yep. And I just I have there's no promise. Buda Baker is screwed and he needs to get out of there as quickly as he can. Otherwise his career is just going to be suffocated there. Like the, the, the best thing that happened to Isaiah Simmons was that the giants were interested in, t- in, in offering a seventh round pick to get him. Mm-hmm. And now he's, he's going to go play safety strictly for the giants, which is probably the best move because then he can just focus on that position. We'll see if that progresses in a positive direction for him. I'm hoping it does. So I don't look like a complete jackass with my prediction about him. Um, but the rest of it is just, you, you said it, they're, they're running back situation. What what am I looking at? What am I looking at? James Connors is their number one running back. Does yeah. that do anything for you? I know we had some success the last couple of years, but that's, or at least two years ago with all the touchdowns. But I mean, he's had injury, especially concussion history. And the line isn't as good. The quarterback isn't as good. The 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 receivers aren't nearly as good. Like nope. they're just going to stack the line because they're not afraid of anybody else there. There's nothing to fear there. Like at least are for the they... Patriots, you have to fear the unknown and the fact that Belichick can pull things out of his ass and make them work. I know he hasn't really the last couple of years, but you, you still have to respect the fact it can happen. Uh. There's just nothing in Arizona right now. If I'm, a, if I'm a Cardinals fan. I feel very uninspired, and I feel, I feel like my front office let me down personally. I will say their their tackles look better than ours. DJ Humphreys and they drafted Paris Johnson this uh this draft, so their tackles look better. So right there, their offensive line is going to be better than ours. But we have a better running game. We have a better quarterback situation. We have a wide variety of wide receivers. So some of that could help the offensive line not look so terrible. Whereas this offensive line is going to struggle. Yeah. Because you said it, they're going to stack the line. Do they need to really stack any defense really need to stack the line against that offense? Probably not. But if you look at it and you're a defensive coordinator, the you know, Marquise Brown doesn't scare you. Rondell Moore, not really. Greg Dorch doesn't Zach Pascal like none of these guys scare me where I need to focus on them. I just put my guys out there and say, go play, go play defense. Like you know how to play defense. Like we practice, we don't need to eliminate any number one. Cause there is no number one. There's no number one option, whether it's a running game or the passing game. So, and, and, and I did see, and this is crazy to think Chris, but it's not unheard of for the Arizona Cardinals the potential to trade Kyler Murray because they get the number one pick and Caleb Williams out of USC, the Heisman trophy winner from last year and the front runner for the Heisman this year potentially could come out. However, he, he is not required to come out. He is a junior. So he could pull a move where he just says uh, either A, I'm not playing in Arizona, or B, I'm staying at USC. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, 
I think even if they don't trade Kyler, they're going to be in contention for the first overall pick. Um, I, I just don't see. I mean, look, Kyler was officially placed on the pup list. Uh, for those that don't know, physically unable to perform, uh, which means he has to miss at least the first four weeks. Right. Can't practice with the team. Hasn't practiced with the team. In the best of times for Kyler, when he's in his best condition and his best state, getting him to actually study the playbook is a challenge. Do you really think uh, th- there's all those Call of Duty memes and all that stuff when they came out that Kyler is going to miss two or three weeks because he couldn't he couldn't not play that instead of studying a playbook? Whether it's that severe or not, I don't know. It's probably just an exaggeration. But do you really think if he's been out the last six, seven, eight months not able to you know, really do what he wants to do, that he's keeping himself in game shape, that he's studying up on film, that, you know, a guy like a, like a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or, a, hell, this generation, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, do you think they'd be playing video games at 2 a.m. if they're up after physical therapy on their uh, on an injury for the probably the third or fourth time that day? No, they're studying playbooks. They're looking at game tape. They're, they're doing things that are going to make them better when they come back. Is Kyler doing that? Maybe. I don't know he's not, but all signs of his dedication in the past and the fact that he seems to peter out after 10 games every year uh, and this is when he's had a full off season uh, to prepare uh, don't point no positive direction for the Cardinals so say he is able to come back week five you're gonna get a Kyler Murray who has not been able to practice with the team who has not probably studied the playbook adequately enough who isn't surrounded by an all-star cast to begin with and isn't a guy like Mahomes who can just make things happen I mean, he can to an extent, but not at that level and not to the point where he can put a team on his back and carry him. Uh, this team is going to struggle, even if they have him. I think their best bet is that he comes back week six, week seven, week eight, gets back in the playing shape, performs well down the stretch, and they can use that as a bargaining chip in the offseason and say, oh, this guy's back. We're just We just decided to move on because we have to do a rebuild. We have to save the cap room and the money. And maybe a team that's hurting, maybe a, a Tampa Bay or, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, anybody in the NFC South. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, if Tua has injury issues, if um, if Mac isn't the guy for the Patriots, uh, you know, Rodgers retires after one year, you're going to have a lot of teams who are going to go, oh, well, maybe, maybe we make a move and get this guy. Will they with his contract? I doubt it. I mean, teams weren't even going to go after Lamar. I'd much rather have Lamar over Kyler Murray. Um, it's a tough one, man. They're they're not in a good space, and they don't have they don't have a light at the end of the tunnel. They really don't. They don't even have potential. It's not. It's not even like, oh, this team can come out and surprise us and win twelve games. No, no, they're not. They're not going to do that. It's not going to happen. I. He's got, he's got, after this season, he's got five years and he's around 35 to 36 million a year. Um, significant dead cap until 2027 when it's no dead cap, but by then who knows what happens. Maybe he wants to reset, restructure, he wants an extension, whatever he wants. Here's, here's what I'll say about Kyler. Okay, his best season was 2020. Almost 4,000 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 11 touchdowns rushing, 800 yards. Their record as a team was 8-8. Eight eight. 
So he did all that, and they were eight and eight with a really Seattle, solid team around him. Right, Seattle was first. Rams were second. They just missed the playoffs, probably by. No, they didn't just miss the playoffs. They probably needed to win a game at the end. I don't know offhand what it was, but then that's the off season when Isaiah Simmons was drafted. When we were like, "Oh, they're on the rise. They're they're making waves. They're starting to move up." Oh, that was a season they, off season where they traded for uh, Hopkins, I believe. Also, uh, that would make sense. That would that would probably make sense. Um, but I, to to answer your question about the gaming aspect, I, I'll throw it back to you, Chris, because you're a gamer like me. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. He had a con his contract at some point before he officially signed it did say somewhere in the nature. I don't remember what exactly it said, but something about him gaming or him, uh, him studying certain amount of hours Mm -hmm. was on there and it got removed because it got disclosed somewhere, shape or form. Who knows how it did, but it did. Um, but he's a what is it modern warfare or i don't remember I think what so. it came yeah um if you're a gamer and everyone knows his gamer tag by now he probably probably streams um live streams uh with video so you could probably easily find him which probably what happened um if you have an account you've been building it for years it probably carries over from one Modern Warfare to the next. I don't know. I'm not a Modern Warfare guy, so I don't know it. But I assume it's like other games like uh, similar to that. Um, Are you going to start a new account to hide the fact that you're gaming so no one knows it's you and lose potentially if everything's, you know, works the way I think it's going to work, all that experience, credit, awards, all that stuff that give you prestige in the game, in the video game, um, are you going to lose all that and not use it just so you can game on a secret account? Uh, I mean, well, then you get into the point of maybe like microtransactions. Could he... He certainly has the money to go in, even with a secret account, and build his character or his, his profile back up to what it was before on the drop of a hat. I mean, it's not. <laughs> I mean, True. the dude makes thirty million dollars a year, so if it's a matter of, I I can buy these things to get exactly to where I was, and nobody will know it's me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't think he cares enough to even do that, though. I don't think so either. I think he's just going to do what he's going to do because they pet. If you have to put it in the contract, could you see? Could you see somebody coming to Peyton Manning and going, Peyton, we know you love playing the Pong game, but, you know, too much Pac-Man. Like, it's really hurting us out there on the field. You see Tony Dungy having a conversation with him back in his prime? Absolutely not. No. That dude's going to do what he has to do. And whatever he does in his free time, spare time, it's his business. Nobody cares. Nobody cares if... Also, if, if you look like you know what you're doing, if you have a handle on the offense, but when they started out one season, what was it, seven and zero, eight and zero, whatever it was, or, or really it was close, probably, it was probably that season. Uh, it may honest. have been. 
uh, or they started, it was like they only had one loss to the first eight or nine games, and then they gave San Fran their first loss, I think, or Seattle the first. It was something like that. One, one team didn't have a loss, whatever. And he looked great. I remember I drafted him that year. He was my fantasy quarterback that year, and I'm like, dude, I got a championship coming my way. This guy is killing it. I'm getting 45 points every week out of the quarterback. This is nuts. And then he just disappeared. He had that Hail Mary bomb against DeAndre Hopkins against Buffalo. And after that, it was like an entirely different quarterback. Like he just lost focus. Like whether he just wore down, whether he wasn't, you know, paying enough attention to the game plan and the playbook, something changed and something was different. And it was not a difference that was beneficial to that team. And it seems to be a pattern where eight, nine, ten weeks in, he's just not the same quarterback. And like people now you look at everything they do and say, okay, well, if you weren't doing this, uh, then you could have more time to practice and study. Nobody cared about Tom Brady not being at OTAs when they won a championship the prior year. But when they'd gone three, four, or five years and they got eliminated in the first round, or maybe, well, they didn't miss the playoffs when he was healthy, except that one year after they won the first one. Uh, but, you know, got eliminated in the first round, didn't win a championship, didn't make this happen, didn't make that happen. Then it was, oh, well, if you are at OTAs, you have a better handle on things. God forbid they weren't the number one or back then two seed and got a bye. If they were like three, four, five seed, a wild card, it was like the end of the world. And, oh, why aren't you at OTAs? But they'd win. You didn't hear anything in the following preseason about, oh, Tom Brady's not at OTAs. It's, we're here to defend the championship. That's it. Winning solves a lot. And if you can't, you just, you can't goof around and make it known you're goofing around and you're doing this stuff and not focusing more and not being a leader. These were concerns they had about Kyler Murray coming in. They almost didn't draft him because of this. And lo and behold, it's come to fruition. And they put it in the contract that he had to study a certain number of hours a week. When you have to put that in the contract to somebody, you're paying $35 million on average a year to to do a job, to, to stay in shape, to perform, to practice. There's people out there working 12, 16-hour days who aren't making a, a hundredth of what that guy makes in a year. And they're performing day after day after day after day after day after day. They're not sitting in a non-contact jersey five, four or five days a week practicing and then only get hit on one day and then get to go live the life of a freaking celebrity and then do whatever they want and live in a different universe. Like, Kyler has been, you know, he has tremendous physical gifts and he absolutely has the ability to be a premier quarterback. Doesn't have it between the ears. He doesn't. He does not have it between the ears. He doesn't have the mental toughness. He doesn't have the desire. And I've been a big Kyler Murray defender the past couple of years. It's been pretty clear watching him. It's not there. So if, if back to what we said before, do you try to move him? You're not going to get anything for him now. Nope. You have to let him come back. You have to have him perform well. You have to have him be consistent. You have to have him show dedication, which right there is a task at times. And then you have to find a willing trade partner for that price. I, I think the Cardinals are in a, a bad spot financially with Kyler. Their best bet is to try to make it work as well as they can. And if there's still issues that there's no dead cap, done. Go. We'll start over. Wherever we are, we'll find someone else. We'll start over. We'll build the team from the ground up again. Because that's what they have to do anyways. They don't have a foundation. At, well, maybe it's an offensive line and potentially receiver, depending on how those guys pan out. 
but there's no surefire position where it's like, oh, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the uh the number one uh you know segment of the team. They're gonna be leading the locker room, they're gonna be the guys who are leading the team. You don't have that on the Cardinals. Uh it's it's tough because they just hired Jonathan Gannon as the head coach and to kind of just work through this problem and for for his sake to work through this to either get on the other side and have him productive or get to the point where they can trade him he might be gone already to be honest by the time that happens um the only thing i could see is if they suck so bad that they're number one overall without a shadow of a doubt and then Caleb Williams um, either doesn't come – Caleb Williams is right now the clear number one pick. Um, things can change, obviously, we know. But he's right now the clear number one pick. If it was true, what you know, the reports that he said he might stay, depending on who's number one, or he pulls up Eli Manning, and you're the Cardinals, you're the first overall pick – you might have to trade the pick and you're not trading the first overall pick in a position of power. You're, you're trading it knowing that if he wants to go to in the, if he wants to get drafted, you don't want to go there. So you don't have that positional power that you typically would with the first overall pick, especially with a quarterback crop coming out that might be able to dictate where they want to go. Or as we've seen the, NIL, the money that is is being pumped into these kids, rightfully so. I agree with it. Um, some of them are making more money this year as college quarterbacks than pro quarterbacks on their rookie contracts are making. Uh, Caleb Williams is making more than Trevor Lawrence this year. I know that's, <laughs> that's amazing. It's oh, crazy. That's amazing. You have to remember. And rightfully so. Trevor Lawrence is on his rookie contract. When it hits that fourth or fifth year, trust me, it the money will not – no, it won't be close. But um, – and that brings me back to Kyler. And I don't remember the exact situation um, when the contract went down. But if you look at his numbers, Chris, he went down statistically from 2021 to 2020. From 2020 to 2021, he did miss two games. Um, it wasn't a great, crazy plummet, but it was a plum. He had less um, stats, and then they signed him to the contract extension in that I believe that off season. So that was his. He just completed his fourth season. This is. Uh, this 2022 was the beginning of his new contract. That would have been his fourth year. Yeah. You had the fifth year option still. Like I, I know you probably would have had to pay more or he would have been frustrated that he wasn't paid and he can make all these threats. The reality is he's a, I, I like Kyler. I liked him coming out. I just didn't know about his little, his little game issue where he's got to play video games all the time and if that came out earlier that it was a severe issue maybe the cardinals make a different uh different uh 
different pick, but you didn't have to give him that contract extension. He could you could have said, We're gonna play out your contract. You're gonna pick up your fifth year option. If you perform on the field, we'll be forced to pay you more money than you know. Imagine if he performed for five years and he's going into this offseason under the fifth year option with the contracts that just got paid out to quarterbacks that didn't do anything. I'm talking about Daniel Jones hasn't done a thing. Lamar got paid. Yeah, he's made the playoffs, but he hasn't made the championship game. And I'm probably forgetting one or two other players. Derek Carr, Justin Herbert. Thank you, Justin Herbert, Josh who Allen. has done absolutely nothing. Josh Allen's made a championship game, uh, AFC championship at least. Um, yeah, no, but the even loss, then, the loss wasn't his fault either. Yeah, <laughs> right. But Justin Herbert's a great example. He's done absolutely nothing yet. He got his extension. Derek Carr got a new contract, even though he was basically kicked out of LA. <laughs> Garoppolo. <laughs> I mean, Garoppolo too. It, it's it. it they could have sucked it up and be like oh well we see this trend starting okay well you're gonna play out your contract and if we have to pay we have to pay you if we don't so be it and i can understand at the time the organization was at the time we have a different head coach than when he was signed so that's another layer there chris that this head coach was not around when this quarterback was given that contract sometimes those marriages don't always agree with each other. Yeah. So there's that. And he's starting a season on the pup list. It, it's a recipe of disaster right now for, for Gannon, uh, the front office for the Cardinals, uh, Arizona's ownership. They could be set behind for years and years and years. Oh yeah. And, and the crazy thing is, is the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks used to be Russell and they made a move to make a shift change. And then they, Geno Smith just comes in and 30 year old quarterback. Yep. He's throwing dimes. He's moving the ball. He's not turning the ball over. He's doing what they, if they didn't need to draft him. Nope. He was just in the system for years and years and years. And he got his shot and he, he, he shot his shot. And now he's got a contract extension. So, and, and like you pointed out with uh, LA, not sure what direction they, but they have Matthew Stafford. The, the Niners are the Niners. They have a well-oiled machine out there. Their structure is great. And they took a seventh-round quarterback. A seventh-round, the last oh, yeah. in the draft. Yep. And they took him, and he almost took him uh, to the Super Bowl. And I just – they're stuck. Arizona is stuck. And this is not a Josh Rosen situation where you can just – Shoo, shoo, shoo him out the door. You gave him a contract. You're kind of stuck with him. So what would I do? I'd get him on the field as soon as I can. If I can get any value out of him, I do. I make inquiries. If no one's interested, that's my guy. And I'm going to have to ride him until A, he falls apart. B, he becomes a plague in the locker room. Or C, he prospers and we're, we're contending uh, for championship. That's, that's it. And I think what's going to happen is Josh uh, Gannon and the front office are going to find themselves out of a job for their probably in two, two or three seasons. Yeah. 
It's just not going to go well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, they, they, yeah, like I said, they not only were they a blueprint as to how to turn the team around in a few years, they were they're a blueprint now as to how to tear one down in uh, about as about as much time. So it's unfortunate if you're a Cardinals fan uh, to see that, <clears throat> and not like you know, we all know the Rams are kind of headed for a lull at some point in the next couple of years. But I mean, they got a championship, so you can say, well, you know isn't really going the direction where we want it to right now. We can kind of see we're on the downswing a little bit. We're trading away key players. Stafford's contemplating retirement again, getting older. Cup's been injured, had a couple of season-ending injuries, you know, I think two of the last four years. So, uh, you know, they're on the downswing unless something unexpected happens. Uh, but they'll still be competitive and they'll still put a decent product on the field and – they have a very new show for it. And Arizona just has a lot of spent money and wasted potential to show for it. And it's a shame. I can just tell you this, Chris, the Rams have, let me be very clear, $72 million in dead cap right now. Yeah. 72 million. Yeah. All right. If, if you don't understand how impactful that is, that's like what? Eight good players, nine good players. Yeah, probably. I mean, a couple Alan of elite Robinson, players. <laughs> Allen Robinson, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, Bobby Wagner, Andrew Whitworth, Alshon Robinson. Like, and it just keeps going down. Like, that's a lot of money out the door. And what that tells me is they're they're conceding this year. Right. That's what they're doing. They're conceding this year. Now they still have heavy contracts on the board, uh, under under I should say under contract. They're currently on the team. So it's not like they're going to get a lot of cap space back next year, but they're conceding this year. Hey, can we restart next year? Cause then they're starting to get their draft picks back. Remember what was it like three or four years straight? Oh yeah. No first round. Yeah. No first rounder, yep. very few second rounders. So they're starting to get that turned around because they want to make their next run. And with all that said, I think the Rams are going to be a better team than the Cardinals. That Oh, I think so sad. too. But I'm just saying they 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 made a lot of changes and a lot of moves and a lot of additions and spent a lot of money with the sole purpose of winning that ring. And and they did. So, I mean, if you're a fan, it's like, okay, we kind of knew what we were doing. There Tampa Bay did the same thing. Yep. With Tom Brady exactly a couple, a couple years. And now they had some dead cap and now they can start to rebuild. And the Rams do the same thing. Uh, the Cardinals, though, uh, aren't aren't getting out of this contract or having to pay large sums to Kyler, and it's it's going to be much like Denver and Russell Wilson. If they can't find a way to make it work, it's going to be several more years of struggling. It's going to be hard to get quality free agents in there unless they just want the money, which is fine, uh, because they're not going to win. So, no, and and Denver is going to suck it up. They have new ownership. They just hired Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. They gave a draft capital to get him. Gave him a new contract. So you're in Denver is a position of you have a quarterback with a huge contract. You also have a head coach with a huge contract. And you spent draft capital. So it's going to be – that is going to be like a tug of war of who's going to win it. Right. And honestly, I think that that situation, that's the head coach. 
He's got the they both have the credentials. The problem is, is at some point Russell is his skills are going to diminish on the field, whereas Sean Payne is a coach mm -hmm. and a young coach. He's yeah, he's not like super old, but he's also not. I mean, he's not super young, not super old. He's kind of in 40s. between, right? So he's he's got years. He's got longevity. He could be there, probably not, but he could be there for 10, 15 years. Russ, be way retired on whatever project or two projects he'll be on in this after football career. But this situation, Arizona is going to be a situation where if you're anyone in the league, you're going to look at that situation and say, we need to address specifically something like that early in that player's career. And what I'm talking about is obsessive gaming that's affecting your play on the field. Because there are players that are playing games online. They're streaming on Twitch. They're doing all that stuff. But it doesn't seem like it's affecting their play. No. Whether they're doing it in the offseason or they've done their gym work. They've done their uh, practice work. They've done their you know playbook, uh, whatever, their meetings, all that stuff. And they're not playing till two, three o'clock in the morning. They're also not the starting quarterback of the team. You know, thirty-five million dollars a year, and you can't, you can't not play enough games to do your job effectively. It's, it's just, it's puzzling to me. It don't, it don't ever make sense. But yeah. Anything else? Are you good? Um, is there anything else? I don't um, think so. Nothing really pressing. Did anything pop in while we were talking? I don't think anything. I don't think so. No. We talking. It's pretty much just. Practice squad signees. Yeah. Uh, the only the only thing I'd bring up is that's interesting is um and we haven't addressed this um when it first started is Jonathan Taylor, his trade demand um deadline pass for the Colts to Yeah. Not well, I didn't find I didn't find that all that surprising personally. But no. They're not gonna get the value. They no. want they want X. No one wants to give them X because as you pointed out earlier in the episode, the value of the running back position it's just not there. Nope. He's not going to get the dollars he wants. Saquon's not. Nobody's going to get the dollar value. Josh Jacobs, I guess, reported, but I don't know if he's going to play or not. It's it's a dark time for running backs. I don't I don't know how they get out of this. If you're a running back, I really don't. Bijan Robinson just got drafted, and he's probably one of the better running backs that has come out when his contract's up. I don't know if he's going to get his contract extension. It, it's tough, man. I mean, I think it's all cyclical. I think it'll all eventually come back around, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very puzzling. Whenever you see this, it's like, you know, you got wide receivers making 30, 40 million a year on teams that aren't winning and running backs on teams that want to compete are paying those same quarterbacks on their team. 40, like you said, the giants pay Daniel Jones, $40 million a year on average. For the next couple of years, uh, and and Daniel Jones is essentially um, he's less than by by a mile without Saquon Barkley in that backfield. He's not doing it on his own. It's it's Barkley's the dynamic side of Barkley that's making that offense work and run. And you're gonna pay one guy, and essentially let the other one sit there and, and sign one year for less than what market value should be. But it's puzzling to me. Um, hopefully it'll turn around and it'll start getting a little bit more respect, but I don't, 
I don't blame running backs for being pissed or offended. <laughs> Honestly, I would be too. too. Um, you know, the only thing I could say is if you want to start giving these guys less money, that much less money, you got to start fully guaranteeing their contracts. If you're not going to give them the 20, 25, 30 that a receiver is getting fine, but you're going to give them 12, 13, 14, you know, not that you have to start a GoFundMe for them. They're not starving, but uh, make it fully guaranteed. So, yeah, we're only going to give you 12 million a year, but no matter what happens, you're getting that 12 million. No problem. But they're also, they're also in a position where they're the life of, of, of their football career is just, it's not there. Emmett Smith is rare. Uh, Frank Gore is rare. Oh, Peterson. Yep. Those guys are yeah. Peterson. All those guys are rare. It's, it's three to four years. I think it's like three and a half years for a running back is about the average. And we're talking about encompassing. Um, so I, I think you're on the right path is like, if there's one position, you just got to say, yeah, we're going to guarantee your money. Especially when you're looking at someone like Saquon, CMC, uh, you're going to see Travis Etienne start to promise uh, uh, blossom into this. Just these guys that can do both. B. John Robinson's going to be able to do it. And you want that second impact in the game, and that's what they bring. Yet, they're not being compensated. And that's that's scary because now you're going to start seeing these potential running backs. They're going to go into other positions. They're going to go to wide receiver. They're going to go to try to play quarterback. They're going to go to um, try to play defensive back, safety, mm-hmm. whatever the position. They're not going to go play running back, and now you're going to have a bunch of running backs who are going to – the reason why they're not up, you know – looked at as high value is because talent's not there. Mm-hmm. There's this kid, I'm going to tell you what I wanted to hear. There's a kid out of Michigan, Donovan Edwards. He, he could be a slot receiver. That's how good his hands is, his route running. But if you watch him last year against Ohio State, against Purdue, uh, even against, I think it was end of the season against Rutgers, he breaks the line of scrimmage, he's gone. Gone. He's got long strides. He's down the field quickly. This kid is probably, if he stays healthy this year, fully healthy, shows all his tools. He's top 10 pick, guaranteed. He won't, his value will never be reached in the NFL. Same situation, unless what you talked about, I think, makes sense. As you start guaranteeing these guys' contracts, because of longevity of the position, it's just not there as Mm -hmm. opposed to, Wide receiver. Mercedes Lewis is still a, a, a tight end. Mercedes Lewis. He was drafted with Maurice Jones Drew mm-hmm. way back. So it's just it's just a sad existence right now for that position. Hopefully it gets changed. Yeah, I'm hoping it turns around. Those guys get a little bit more respect they did deserve. because uh, they're they're a vital part of the game, obviously. That will do it for this episode. If you have any questions in this episode, past episodes, or anything sports-related at all, Ben, I'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? You can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. And, and um, oh, I'm sorry, not the website. Uh, Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. If you have not done so yet and feel so inclined, please go wherever you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating and a review, subscribe, and ask a friend to do the same. I'd like to wish everybody good luck on their fantasy drafts upcoming or in your upcoming season if you've already drafted. 
for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you right back here next time. Thank you.